Alright everybody, welcome to another episode of Sidewalk. Thanks for joining us here on the Sidewalk. I am Craig Seidenschwartz and we have Javon Walker as always. Hey everybody, what's going on? Today we have a special guest, metalhead connoisseur and vintage vinyl collector, <laughs> RJ Seidenschwartz. Pleasure to be here. Uh, hell of an intro, appreciate that. <laughs> thank you, thank you. So, uh, Javon, what are you listening to these days? So, I, before I answer your question, I, I I just was reminded, you know the first time that I heard Higher Ground by the Red Hot Chili Peppers? Do you know what, like... I'm, I'm assuming I was there for it. <laughs> no, I was okay. probably four or five years old watching Mighty Morphin Power Rangers the movie, and the music was in that. They were all skateboarding around like where Ivan Ooze, like where he was found at. And they were all skateboarding and Higher Ground was playing. That's like, phenomenal. I didn't even know it was in that movie. <laughs> so so to, uh, to, to answer your question, um, the most current music that I listen to is The Weeknd. Like, I, I don't listen to much modern music. I stay to more uh, older stuff through the decades. But I believe The Weeknd is one of those musicians that has a, a world of talent. And he can do many things, like from his first album to uh to the latest that he did where he completely went to like 80 synth pop and it just worked i i was not generally a fan of the weekend to start but when i heard that song i was like oh wait no this slaps (laughs) (laughs) maybe it's just because i'm more partial to some older sounds 80s and and 90s particularly but but uh, like that, that beginning synth kind of like drives you in and it's kind of layered, but it's like uh, that, yeah. that song is definitely kicking. If there was going to be a song that was going to get me intrigued into looking further into his stuff, it would be that song. It really, it really impressed me. I heard it in, I think, a commercial and I was like, oh, a classic, you know, commercial trope <laughs> using, using an 80s song and then found out it was him. I'm like, dude. I actually, I found out yesterday watching the playoffs that he's going to be uh, doing the Super Bowl halftime show this year. Yep. I was happy when I remember I remember hearing that a couple months ago. I was really happy because, like, again, I, I don't know whether there are many modern artists that I enjoy enough to see doing a, a, a halftime show. Because right. usually, you know, they stick to like old, like older <clears throat> acts like Prince was always a top one. Um, uh, Rolling Stones was a top one. But to choose a modern artist to do a halftime show, says it speaks a lot about him. Yeah. Yeah. That, that he's uh, sure. d- diverse enough in his own sound that he can appeal to a mass audience exactly come to think of it when i found out that that song was him i said you know what he's kind of a name that's been swirling around for like a long time just how long has he been relevant i was just curious and it's been 10 years like he kind of like not necessarily broke but he's been doing it for 10 years and to maintain that level of relevancy for that long Mm -hmm. like again not necessarily my uh first route of musical exploration but you know credit where credit is due to stay in the public eye for that long like that's impressive so do you think that staying relevant for a long time is something that's more rare now than it was let's say for all the legendary musical icons we know from the past 40 years is it less common now to stay popular to stay relevant i think so i definitely think so because to this day if someone name some pop artists i'm like all right, Katy Perry and Lady Gaga. Like, are they, like, I don't even know. Like, what is a, I'm sure there are they, <laughs> more, more they, relevant ones. They don't make music anymore. Like, Lady Gaga went to doing, like, acting and doing, like, uh, like 
Broadway stuff with Tony Bennett and Katy Perry is like now music judge. Like they don't they don't make music they stopped anymore. Making music. They stopped yeah, making yeah. music. <clears throat> but I found a way to make the keep the, their name relevant away yeah. from music. I, I feel like Lady Gaga is still kind of considered a musician. I, maybe she more legitimized herself from coming from pop. Exactly. Um, but yeah, Katy Perry is a good example of someone who is as big as anyone could be, and then just like oh, I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's true. So what what is it about modern music now that is less impactful or less substantial that it doesn't have lasting power. Like even we coming from the nineties, I was into all heavy rock grunge and you know, basically anything from the nineties I was into, but hence our intro song, which is technically eighties, but that's okay. Red Hot Chili Peppers lasted. Oh, that, that's Mother's Milk, isn't it? Yeah, Mother's Milk. 1989. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, but even like the, the start of the pop sensations of the late 90s, Britney Spears, Justin Timberlake, like, why did they last? What's the difference from pop stars then to pop stars now? To be honest, I believe that the demographics. Oh, and I'm sorry. Uh, your girl, Mariah Carey. Oh. <laughs> should, should have mentioned that one. Callback. <laughs> I think like I think that the 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 group that the music was targeted to has now become old enough and it's part of like millennials are a nostalgic generation. And I think that when you combine a nostalgic generation with music that was mainly all about selling albums rather than like downloading a song. Mm. Like you talk about like baby one more time or um, all I want for Christmas is you or, you know, some, some, some of the, like the biggest, Oh, uh, millennium by backstreet boys. Like these are albums that sold 20 million copies. Like they're just generally good songs that are so commercial and part of a nostalgic generation Meaning 20 years later, like they're still as popular, like you wouldn't find people singing that those songs 20 years ago at a karaoke bar. Like the older my generation got is the more frequent that you would hear that being brought back. So I like how you put that, though. Artists, regardless of what the genre was, they were writing for albums, Mm. whereas now things are more disposable. I just need a hit single and I don't need to put it out on an album. It, it's recorded. Okay. It's available streaming. So <laughs> right. it's there. It's got, you got it. Did, did someone put out a new album? Oh, I don't know. I heard a song by them. Like, <laughs> but that was the release. <laughs> that was the release. Because right? that, you know what? That plays into the instant gratification of this era and forget generation, forget old, young, whatever, how old you are. It doesn't matter. We are in an era of instant gratification. So I have a song, put it out, get rid of it. You don't need the album. You don't need the promotion. You don't need just put it on YouTube, you know, whatever. And it's out there instantly. So that's interesting. And what's funny is, and as you were talking, Javon, it kind of reminded me of something. Uh, we'll go back to Craig's uh, lovely intro of, of me, um, <laughs> vintage vinyl collector. <clears throat> um, as someone who is into the uh, physical medium uh, of collecting music, the it kind of went full circle. So in the, let's, I don't know, 50s, 60s, maybe 70s, the 45 was, you got to get the 45, you got to get the single. That was how songs sold. Then it went to albums, and now we're back to selling singles again. So, But we got away from the physical medium, and now it's just digital singles. But it is still a single. (laughs) Uh, So the modern music now that is more disposable is actually retro, but the difference is that it's not tangible. It's digital rather than a physical. Right. That that yeah. probably the difference if it's reverted back to gaining singles rather than the entire albums. But it, isn't isn't there something that's supposed to be tangible about music? 
yes, it's audio waves, but you know, I want to feel the bass. I want to, I want the song to consume me. Have you ever listened to whatever song and when it gets to that crescendo, you get goosebumps? Like mm-hmm. you yeah. feel it, right? Absolutely. hundred percent. Without sounding like, you know, some, you know, Hey kids, get off my lawn. <laughs> but like modern music doesn't do that for me. And I wonder if it is more disposable just by the nature of the commodity of the music industry. It, is it less tangible? Does it not hit you? And is that why yeah. it's not lasting as long? I think that that's what the, you know, this resurgence of, of, of vinyl right now and just physical, you know, because it's not just vinyl, it's cassettes, it's, C- it's CDs. There's just an entire slew of people that are like, I need to have the physical thing. And it's just because part of it is because, they, you know, it's against the grain, but they're doing it for the sole purpose of like, no, nah, I'm going in the complete opposite direction of where everybody else is. It's becoming more and more disposable. I want the physical product because it's just like there. Yeah, that, that to me is like a music fan. That to me is someone that's like, okay, I'm going to seek it out. I'm not just going to wait for it on the radio, you know? Mm. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> yeah, I, um, <clears throat> you know, from your question, Craig, I think it's, it's ironic that a song like blinded by blinding lights i'm not gonna say blinded by the light um <laughs> blinded blinded by the lights. <laughs> i had to because you said I, it so it's all good. i i heard that in the chorus and i'm like okay those that's not the same song <laughs> <laughs> no it's it's ironic that a song like blinding lights can resonate with people that listen to older music because you get an 80s synth pop vibe from it right and i'm sure that besides it being the weekend a lot of people that listen to modern music loved it because of that 80 cent pop vibe not because of like the lyrics in it or anything mm. like that like they got that vibe and that's essentially where you're like when you listen to a song you feel it and in the intro that's what you feel yeah so part of what makes music impactful or everlasting is if it connects to a vibe of the times or of any time so there there does need to be that connection yes absolutely i think that that's what's missing is the connection we're not sure we we lost the connection because I think to I think you asked me a question and I just didn't answer it so I'm sorry but <laughs> <clears throat> to answer your question you said what is it that makes that that feels at least to us why modern music is so disposable it's because information is disposable I think it's because every single day what's going on on Twitter what's going on on you know what's the what's the thing who got canceled what you know what, what's the new the, the hot news break you know those come and go so quickly yeah that that's how we treat our music. It just comes and goes. Yeah. <laughs> who, who can even remember? I, I was thinking about something earlier. I, I lost it, but I was thinking about a song that I was like into, a pop song that I was into, just like not that long ago. Can't even remember how it goes. Must have heard it like a hundred <laughs> times. Cannot remember how it goes. Can you remember the song? <laughs> like it, it just, it's in one ear and out the other. And that's just what it, you know, it sells for a hot minute and then it's over. Like, you know. You, um, you reminded me of Soldier Boy. Oh, yeah. 2007, I want to <laughs> say, I think it was my freshman year of high school, yep. where <clears throat> people, Soldier Boy was getting hot from being on YouTube back then. Right. And I, I'm not going to say that's the beginning of it, but like once everyone started making songs where there was a dumbass dance from it, that was, yep. that, that was, <laughs> that was like instant gratification almost 14 years ago. Yep. Because once somebody came out with the song with the dance, it was at cookouts. It was at like skate, like roller rinks. Everyone was doing a dance at the school. Like, and then when the next song came out with the new dance, everyone had to learn that too. You almost had to have a dance. Yeah, no, you had with to your song, especially like <laughs> urban music. Like you had to have a dance. Yep. I mean, 
I, I, I want to agree with you so badly, <laughs> but it's. I don't think that that's a new thing. No, I mean like well, twist hey, and shout or something like that. Yeah, no, twist and like, shout. Yeah, song, and, songs had dances even back to the fifties and sixties. Like, uh, I don't, yeah, do the twist. The the bug, bug. I don't know. <clears throat> I mean, hey, credit where credit's due. The Macarena. Let's not. Oh no, not knocking. <laughs> not knocking. No, every generation Phenomenal. definitely had their their dance, but maybe the focus of the the imagery became more important than the music. Yes, mm. absolutely. I mean, I don't. Maybe YouTube did that. Oh, YouTube definitely did it. Yeah, I mean, we could probably do an entire podcast just on the impact of YouTube on society. But, <laughs> like, but, you, but when you mentioned him on YouTube, I was like, oh damn! YouTube got started in 05. and the second that 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 like people started running with a visual, and yeah, think about it. Inst- talk about Instagram gratification. You had the how, how many kids grew up watching MTV, waiting for their music video, and then you just type it in. Yeah, you're right. Music man. music videos became instant gratification. So it's like you had but, an instant visual with your song. You're but, right. You're you, the the instant part of it. I think is what's new in the last ten to twenty years. For sure. yeah. it, the the instant gratification, as you put it, but but that definitely was a growing popularity since the eighties. Since MTV came out, remember when they actually played music? Like, <laughs> maybe you don't. I don't know. <laughs> Good time. No, nope, Good time. Yeah, <laughs> but you had a visual to go along with your music, and then the visual became more important. Think about it. Eighties. Mm. What was the popular genre? Hair metal. Hair metal. So coming from a metalhead who, you know, <laughs> okay, Black Sabbath, the grandfathers of, of metal, they had a sound, Metallica, early 80s, which you wouldn't even realize, right? But then you know of 80s from, yeah, the big hair bands, the the glam. The, the Bon Jovi, the Wasp, the... Dude. Poison the, and the Warren. Great White, and like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Great White, yeah. Like that, the, the, the look became more important than the sound. Yeah, hair and, metal, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Hair metal was to the 80s what i guess mumble rap is to the 20 teens <laughs> we need a new gnr gnr stopped hair metal that's right. and we need <laughs> dude they did so much with so little like four albums and yeah technically five but four albums <laughs> but like they were they were an everlasting eternal band yeah i am admittedly not a guns and roses fan and i know that's a sin to say that in craig's presence but not the biggest guns and roses fan but at the same time such a music fan that i will defend them until I'm blue in the face. Like, you're 100% right. They literally stopped it. The second Appetite for Destruction came out, it was like, all right, that's done. Next. No more Poison, <laughs> no, more, no more Bon Jovi. Literally, it was like 87, 88, 89. It took a couple years, but literally, it, hair metal didn't exist in the 90s. It just didn't <laughs> exist. They stopped it in its tracks. This is what real rock and roll is supposed to sound like. Can we get back to that now, please? <laughs> wow. So, like, what? So, so, what? I guess, what year or what couple years would you say that rock and roll stopped being the 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 largest genre of music in general post grunge <clears throat> i think that if like I alternative gonna, phase like post grunge like 95 96 is that what you mean i don't I necessarily into the river sorry he's playing me a strange <laughs> video in the background oh. <laughs> Go on. No, um, okay. <laughs> this is going to be the whole episode, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you get your firsthand experience on what it's like to hang out with Craig, randomly breaking in the song. Um, yeah, I would say I don't necessarily mean post grunge as a genre. I don't. Yeah. I don't mean you know uh, Nickelback or, or Trapped or whoever. I mean like literally as soon as. 94, 95. Talk about a flash in the pan. It, it wasn't just like it was everything happening at once. It was Kurt Cobain dying. It was Soundgarden breaking up. It was 
Alice in Chains breaking up, really. Um, it, it just, it just for some reason, just all of these impactful bands of the time just stopped without even making it to a full decade, you know? I, I have mm-hmm. a different answer to that question. I think pop punk killed rock and roll. Mm. So in the late 90s, yeah, grunge was already over, but you still had all these classic 90s bands that continued their career that are still even successful today. Green Day, Tool, uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, all, all these bands from the 90s, Metallica even. Um, <clears throat> but uh, there were new bands coming out in the late 90s too. There was the rise of pop in the late 90s for sure. And that's definitely, you know, kind of... Uh, come into the forefront more mainstream there's always been some level of pop even when rock was in the mainstream but rock left the mainstream because you you have you know new bands coming out that are good rock and roll bands like i don't know muse right away comes comes to mind they were in the late 90s and they're they're still you know kind of around today but they they were in that era but when it came to pop punk in the late 90s you had all these like teenage comedies that were huge Right, American Pie, and <laughs> <laughs> not another teen movie. Not, yeah, all, that was the era of teen movies. <clears throat> and oh, pop punk, some forty one, some and I'm into deep because I'm trying to keep <laughs> good Charlotte. Like this is the end to throw all your hands up. Like okay, <clears throat> it's fun, it's angsty, but it's wow. like light angsty for for fun pop movies like and then that became the mainstream of this is rock and roll, and it got weak and it got yeah. it got. Yeah, you know, sour tones, and it got kind of like, I'm sorry, like, dude, like alien, alien, ge- geeky like, elements to it, like graduation movies. Like, you ever seen yeah. Can't Hardly Wait? Like, the, yeah, like the like, which I think was like the first movie of like so many st- actors that Probably. became famous. Yeah, um, but yeah, you've you know, we've talked about this a couple uh, a couple times that. You think that pop punk is is the, was the beginning of the death of rock and roll? You've never compared it to the to the nineties movie thing, though. You kind of just blew my mind. That that works the whole soundtrack, so perfect. right? All the soundtracks, all the soundtracks are all to pop punk. all those movies. Can't hardly wait. Had like two or three songs from um, from Smash Mouth on it. Like the, like the whole goddamn soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so that was the rise of pop punk. It became yeah. what rock and roll was, yeah. and then everyone's like, oh wait, no, this this had a flash in the pan, but it really sucks. So now let's get away. What rock and roll has been popular since that? Old it, stuff. Nothing. It, yeah. Nothing. Nothing new. Right. Right. <clears throat> Damn. <laughs> yeah, look at that. Third Eye Blind, Smash Mouth. I, I can't. I can't not blink one too. But like, <laughs> yeah. No, oh, that's right. They did play Paradise City in that. Um, so it's oh, flashlight. There you go. Yeah, some, some Parliament. P Funk. Yeah. Right, but that's interesting though. That was the last popular rock music. Yeah. And if it wasn't that, it was. Cause oh, I'm, the emo though. Like, well, that, I sort of put that in the same realm, like My Chemical Romance. Okay. Panic at the Disco. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I, w- I would kind of put emo and pop punk in the same okay. vehicle. Boy, the- yeah, <laughs> I guess. Could you call emo an evolution of pop punk? Uh, de-evolution? <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah, no, pretty much ever since then was ar- rather around the same time was the uh, bling era hip hop. And I think they, they sort of took their They reins. took over. They took yeah. over. It, it became, they took advantage of an opportunity. Exactly. They, <laughs> they saw, okay, rock is dying. It's on its deathbed. It's going out. Here's Ludacris rapping about diamonds, you know, <laughs> you know, in whatever Dr. Seuss fashion he was doing it. Simple rhymes with just a, You're hype, not wrong, with a hype beat and a sexy girl in the music video. 
here we go. And that's to completely took over. And Smart. that and that begat, you know, mumble rap, I guess. I don't know what I don't even know. I'm no, like, I, like, I don't follow it enough, but help me out here. No, you're you don't you're, want to. <laughs> you're you're no, you're completely right where that took it over. Like the commercial aspect. Well, the commercial the commercial life behind like in in some of these music videos from the late 90s was what rap ended up becoming right if you look at the early 90s if you look at the mid 90s like it was just a bunch of people like rapping around in a neighborhood or something like that and mm-hmm. it was just like rapping like mob deep wu-tang like you listen to all that old stuff back then it was just them their group of boys just like chilling in a warehouse or like a building or something and rapping right yeah mm-hmm. and then you look towards like the late 90s and you 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 see biggie's hypnotize or diddy and all this other shit and there they have like the nice camera on like they have oh, yeah. nice cars they're like always at the club or something like that it's like the life it presented and that's what rap ended up becoming like you want to you want to give yourself to the life rather than the the humble beginnings that you had before the visual took over exactly the, the visual, visual totally took i over. really wonder how much jay-z's big pimpin had a hand in that because that video shoot scandalous yeah <laughs> no it's 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 beautiful i remember watching like the making the video for that and like they had so much fun they put so much of that of that that lifestyle in that video right. where Probably Hype Williams directed it. Like Hype Williams was a director that was huge in making videos like that. Like he was the one. If you wanted a visual music video, you would get Hype Williams mm-hmm. for it. And that again, that lifestyle just took over where it became the commercial aspect in the life that it presents. Then it became okay. Atlanta scene, the crunk scene came up, and then it was mm-hmm. just all about like being as dirty and ratchet as possible. With nothing, nothing wrong with it. It just ended up developing into less of a substance for every genre of rap that it became. Right, like in Atlanta, Atlanta three years after Lil John and the Eastside Boys took over, then it became Soldier Boy. Soldier Boy was from Atlanta, right? Then it mm-hmm. became everything had to have a dance to it. Then it evolved into mumble rap. Interesting. It just got lower and lower. So it got right. So like when you were talking about just like chilling with your friends, like yeah. just rapping, that was about bars. Like it was about let's come up. It's about the rap. It's about what can we say? How clever can it be? Punchlines, mm-hmm. rhyming, all that stuff. And then the visual just slowly but surely took over and took over, took over, took over. And now you're getting to the point where you're literally barely rapping anymore. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're you're absolutely right. People have become accustomed to listening to that that. That genre where it's acceptable, right? Mm. Like, I'm trying to think of like mumble, like Future. I guess Future might be a mumble rapper or Fetty Wap or. I always hear Future as reference as the one who started it. Yeah. And like, and people just become so, obs- not obsessed, but they become accustomed to the type of rapping, like mumble rapping, and they become accust- accustomed to the beat where they no longer care for the words. The, the, right. the lack of words is acceptable to them because all they care about is the beat. Which is ironic since rap was created. Out of the the need to get out a message. Yeah. Mm. How it started was it was all about <laughs> bars or rhymes or conveying a message about what was going on around you. And it didn't necessarily need it need to be like. Don't push me because I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. Right. <laughs> Dude, nobody just, like nobody. The message. The message. The message. <laughs> literally the message. If Dude. you if you bring that up. Right. People are going to remember the words rather than the the harmony of the song or the sound of the song. You yep. take the shit nowadays. People are going to remember. Oh, yeah. No, I know the beats of that future song. I don't know what the hell he's saying. Yep. Right. Well, that's 40 years. <laughs> that, that's what music does. It's memorable because you put 
you put the words you want to convey that you want people to hear, but you make it pleasantly audible so that it sticks in people's heads. That's what music does. Mm. Music is part of our DNA. It, it flows through us and, you know, the rhythm of life and all that. Like, you know, we, we are, you know, tribal primates at, at, in our core. So we need a sound that kind of puts us on a, on a vibe, on a wavelength. So for whatever reason, we're attuned to a beat, we hear a beat, and now we're paying attention, and now it stays with us. Whereas what RJ said, he heard a song a hundred times that he can't reiterate. <laughs> That's not music. Right. <laughs> yeah. So wait, it, so what you just said, Craig, would you say electronica is music? Oh boy. This, mm. this, this is rough territory here with Craig. <laughs> <laughs> like is a VG not music? Is is like Skrillex not music? I will say this. Oh, Skrill- no, Skrillex and Avicii, two totally different genres. Okay, that's fair. Skrillex, no, that's not music. <laughs> no, no, that, that's, that's sampling of sounds put together to try to create a rhythm, but really it's, it's a compilation of noise. Oh, boy. With, when, when, when you're waiting for a drop, that's the thing about electronica or like house EDM. Like, okay, if there's a drop, then there's a feeling, a rhythm, a vibe you can catch and you can feel it and, and it hits you and like you're, there's a there has to be a beat to the drop, otherwise it's just a, a interchangeable element of noises. So that that's what Skrillex is to me. To me, okay. I see you writhing over there. I'm, like, hey man. <laughs> but but I feel like that was a tangent. What was the question? <laughs> it's electronic music. Like, would you uh, consider it music? Yes, yes, I yes. He's hilarious. I, I guess I kind of explained it. In, in the <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. I want to touch on that (laughs) because, okay, dubstep, the, by the way, to go back to what I was saying before, takes the cake as far as like a quicker flash in the pan. Grunge had maybe like a handful of years. Dubstep had it like a summer. It was was gone in a hurry. Dude, you you talk, there are probably kids right now that don't even know the word just because that's how far it went, like how quickly it went away. However, I do have to say, (laughs) I'm sorry, I just, I had to get that out there. That was, that was good. (laughs) I want to listen to that now. Um, Look, okay, I got into it when it, when it broke, I was really like seriously into it just because I was so craving the heaviness of it. Because as a metalhead, it's like that type of heaviness just doesn't exist hmm. in modern music. So I, I gravitated toward it because it's like, oh, this is like crazy. This is chaotic. This is heavy. This is it, it hits, you know, it's clean and people are into it. I can get like this is a, I thought this was a good thing. But then it just never went anywhere. It didn't evolve. And it, and it was, you know, gone in a flash. So but the thing of it was, though, and I think that it's a good uh, kind of moment in time to pinpoint as far as like the. How do I put this? Not, not, it, it was so clean and so like flawless that that was the pinnacle of where soul sort of left modern music. Mm. Because you have all these songs and they're spotless. The bass is perfect. The pitch is perfect. They're crisp. There's no mistakes because it's all produced. It's all synthetic. So that's what dubstep was. So you, I, even recently, I was listening to it in my car. I'm like, this bass is so clean. It's so perfect. So I still can find the good in it. But at the same time, it's not, you know, you play, you, you, you take someone who listens to modern music and play them Jimi Hendrix. I'm like, what is this noise? 
well, that's instruments. <laughs> yeah, you know? well, there's the difference. Does the medium that it's played on categorize whether or not it's music or does the medium in which you're listening to it? I think a lot of the soul, as you put it, left music in modern times because of how we're listening to it. We're listening to it on little tiny earbuds, listening to digital feedback. We're not listening to a record scratching against a needle and with wow. with big sound uh, floor model speakers right. that where you feel literally feel the music how you consume your music affects the style of music you're listening to wow 100% yeah <laughs> I have nothing back that's, that's pretty good dude. dude we you and you and I have become fans recently of the YouTube channel Lost in Vegas uh, yeah. shout out to them the reaction videos they do are just free like, thinkers <laughs> shout out to the free thinkers um, no, but, those guys are awesome yeah but they in one of their reactions to a tool song said like the guy like you see the guy having a revelation he goes dude if you don't like Tool, it's because you it's probably because you're listening to it on laptop speakers. Get proper equipment and then you will become a fan. Like you don't you can't there's certain music that you cannot listen to on earbuds or a laptop or whatever. Like get equipment and yeah, then, you yeah you're not hearing the full sound in which it was intended yep. when, when music is layered one it's more full it's it's better but two you can't pick up everything on on limited channels yep. uh, on earbuds there are subwoofers and bases and multiple channel receivers for for stereo systems for a reason yeah. there's layered shit back there open up your ears <laughs> open up your third eye <laughs> <laughs> there you go but yeah, I would. I mean, again, and it's 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 really hard to to not be that guy. But I was listening to a record the other day on vinyl, one that I've been listening to for probably fifteen years, and I was listening to it, and I and I forget what I was doing. I was concentrating on something, and I just stopped, and I just looked over at my speakers. I'm like, I can't believe I've been listening to this song for fifteen years, and I've never heard that. What you know, background guitar, whatever it was. Wow. I heard a piece to a familiar song I didn't hear before. It blew my mind. It's, what was, it's, the, what it's, was the vinyl? I think it was Coldplay, wow. <laughs> of all things. Like, I think it was uh, A Rush of Blood, and it was just some, like, barely audible underneath layer. Wow. Like, it's so layered. Like, I can't believe the, 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 you're still peeling away pieces to this song 15, 20 years after the fact. It, it's crazy. I, I do love when that happens. I, I, an example doesn't come to mind, but I think... Coldplay is a microcosm of what we're talking about, aren't they? Probably. Like yeah. they, they are, they were a really great artistic band that, that had their own developed sound, but was universal enough that people could enjoy it. They had layered music. They had thought provoking like uh, concepts in their, in their music. And then they became dull, like monotone pop. Like so true. <laughs> you know how I know you're gay? <laughs> Whoa, triggered. <laughs> See, now that would be appropriate today. At the time when that movie came out, they still were good. Right. <laughs> However, after about their fifth album, then it's like, all right, you're right. <laughs> I had to do it, but that's one of one of my favorite movies. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> thanks, man. <laughs> the, literally this scene. <laughs> this guy's on top of it. <laughs> so good. Oh my god, I forgot that was um 
Seth Rogen and Paul Rudd. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and Paul, Paul Rudd has yet not aged. <laughs> yes, seriously. Timeless Paul Rudd. <laughs> you know what's amazing about that scene? That scene is like 20 minutes long. Like they kept going. Like there's an uncut version of it that of like oh. they were just sitting there playing video games or who knows if they were actually even playing anything, just holding controllers and they just went. Trying to riff on each this. other. Like, I gotta watch this. Right, oh trying to rip, rip, ripping on each other like 20 minutes. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so good. And that scene in the movie is like, what, a minute? Yeah, yeah. 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 But that's why it works. That, that's, <laughs> that's too funny. Uh-huh. Um, so, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, go. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> I'll let you recover. <laughs> I was thinking about this recently. Um, I really wonder, I, I hope, there's got to be a way to properly convey the importance, I guess just the appreciation of older music to the younger generation because I'm I don't know if it was just it's if it's in my DNA or if it's just I got lucky or whatever but you know my dad raised me on the Beatles and Hendrix and Zeppelin and the Doors and all this stuff and thankfully I like it but there's got to be a dad out there plenty of them somewhere that are that were you know born in the 50s or 60s grew up with this music tried to pass it on to their kids and they just hate it and it's like why like what like what is it there's got to be a way to present it because you can't just walk up to a kid watching a music video. But look, here's Foxy Lady from 1968. Love it. <laughs> There's got to be a way to properly convey that information. You know. So, I, I think that. There's, the individual person is always going to cultivate their tastes in music. And if it's genuine feel for, hey, I like this style of music, then OK, I respect that. Like you can't take away anyone's tastes for anything like that. Mm-hmm. That is what it is. Right. Yep. But I feel like the the general mass public. And I don't I'm not talking about numbers. I don't know about majority or but but there is a good core of people that just listen to whatever is popular because that's what's on. Right. And that don't bother seeking out music or don't care enough to say, well, I hear that and I like it. I'm going to look into more. It's just like, you know, maybe music is not as important to them or, or you know, whatever is that, or because it's popular, I'm going to listen to it because that's what people are listening to. So we're, we're kind of told what what we should be listening to in a way from from the music industry that is popular at the time. For example, um, you just reminded me, I had a coworker at an old job that she listened to Z100 all day. And I was asking, like, why do you listen to Z100 all day? We weren't supposed to listen to, like, music at work, but, like, she always plays Z100 anyway. She said when I was, you know, when I was a parent – uh, well, she still is a parent. But like when she was <laughs> when she was driving her kids to school, they she would play Z100. And I guess for those kids growing up, all they heard was Z100. All they heard was popular music. Now, luckily for them, they were a little bit older, so they got brought up – they were brought up in an age of just great – commercial catchy pop like with Britney Spears and NSYNC and Backstreet Boys they grew up in a great era to be listening to current music but listening to those people now like those kids now mm. I I really feel if they reject older music like they're really missing the the elements upon which modern music is made like you you hear some of the music now and the influence that they had from the past like Bruno Mars is one of the most talented musicians of like of the last 10, 15 years, but he's got influence from so many different artists, right? Yeah. Like, um, you and Rogers, uh, uh, Uptown Funk, right? When, uh, up, yeah. when Uptown Funk first came out, I immediately thought that the time like made a new song. 
because that that that's exactly <laughs> the way that it sounds. It sounds just like Minneapolis Prince, the time or the revolution type music. And then I looked yeah. it up. Yeah. That was an influence. Prince was an influence for that song being made. By Bruno Mars, whoever made the song, but like I immediately Mark heard Bronson. Mark Ronson. Mark Ronson. <laughs> so like you said that you you immediately thought of 80 synth pop when you heard Blinding Lights. I immediately heard Prince yeah. or like Minneapolis music when I first heard um, Uptown Funk. So the best modern music is retro. <laughs> Has to be. There's 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 yeah. there's there, there, there's no way that you can make a song now without any influence, right? Like rappers could do it 30 years ago. Well, they didn't have any influence. Well, look what happens when we try to create a new genre. We get Skrillex. <laughs> All right, man. You know, <laughs> I have about had it. <laughs> no, it's, uh, I mean, you know what's funny about this? Pretty good. The saddest thing about that is the fact that there is an entire, like, or at least who knows because it's dead, but like group of people that are like, screw this, like modern dubstep, old dubstep is like real. I swear to God. <laughs> I swear to God, there's, there's, I, dude, I know that that probably kills you, but there are literally, I miss the old shit, yeah. I miss the old, when it was it was real, <laughs> that's completely true, I swear to God, I love your laugh for the show, that's like, I can't control it, I know, that, that struck a chord with me, uh, alright, talk like amongst yourselves, <laughs> <laughs> you actually made me tear, dude. Because, <laughs> dude, Skrillex is what dubstep became. There was dubstep in like the early 2000s that was not as like overblown and modulated and loud and crazy. And then Skrillex took it to this insane place and people like hated it, but like because it was popular. So, so that it doesn't, dude, I'm telling you, it doesn't matter what genre you're into, there is a subculture of that's not when it was really the, you know, the real thing, whatever. Like it, that's true across so, like every genre of music is amazing. And no genre is more. <laughs> prudent for that than metal <laughs> oh man Me metal is keeping itself from being mainstream because they are so subdivided and self-hating across different genres within metal it's so sad there's so much <clears throat> great music potential in metal but if you you know strum the 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 snare at a different rate than than that guy then you're a different genre and you should be hated and destroyed like i don't understand metal <laughs> so this is like literally the metalocalypse <laughs> this oh man maybe that was the metalocalypse maybe that that show killed it now dude it's so funny the and i think i've said this to you before metal's biggest enemy is itself but in a lot of ways it's it's it sucks because it's it's good and bad at the same time because like you said they're keeping themselves alive by staying out of the mainstream but that's why they're alive like dude think about it like metal you know 80s hair metal like we were talking about like poison and all these bands that was metal at the time it was considered it still is to this day it's it's a wow. subgenre we call it hair metal but it is metal it has that <laughs> moniker attached to it and it played itself out and it died and I wonder if metalheads as a whole just decided, let's not let that happen again. Hmm. You know, so it's like, let's lay low. Let's keep doing our thing under here and we'll just stay alive forever. <laughs> that, that was a fantastic retort. I'll give you that. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, <clears throat> we were going into an interesting uh, direction as far as getting into... Um, 
the retro sound and modern music and, and developing, you know, young kids' tastes and how they get into popular music uh, or being what's what's presented to them, right? But, Javon, we were talking yesterday and you brought up, like, there are just classic classics that will, are still around that will always be around. You brought up Shout, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. like, one of those, I don't want to say original, but, like, one of the early rock and roll songs that mm. have lasted. So, why has that one lasted? What what is, what is it about that where it doesn't matter what you listen to, but you know Shout? Yeah. It's, like, it's, I'm not going to say it's multi-purpose, but it's not just music at the end of the day. Shout, I believe, was played at your wedding, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, naturally. So, <laughs> so shout is just not something you listen to the vinyl, and that's the only time you hear it. Like shout has become a a a song that you were listening to as a kid, maybe at school or something like that. But it's it's a song that you can sing with a group of people, right? If if it was mm. an individual song, you really can't do it when you're you're by yourself. Like Bohemian Rhapsody, like you 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 want to sing the song by yourself, but you prefer with people, right? Yeah. So. It took a life of its own, I want to say, because it was played at events. It was it was sung or danced to by multiple people. And I guess at some point that ends up living through its time. Uh, I think well, because when you brought up Shout, <clears throat> the first thing that came to my mind is how do we inject it into other pop culture? Because it's, it's already a popular song. Let's stick it in a commercial or a movie mm -hmm. or something or just stick it out there. And it's funny that you said Bohemian Rhapsody. Why do you want to sing that song with multiple people? Probably because you saw Wayne's World, Wayne and Garth headbanging. And I want to have, have, have that, you know, experience for myself. <laughs> but how do you do that without killing it? Mm. Well, one of my favorite songs in the last 20 years is How Do You Like Me Now by The Heavy. Mm. Mm. But... Guaranteed, most people listening right now don't even know it when I say that. But when I go, I like me now. I like me now. Yeah. yeah. And everyone goes, oh, it's been in 14 commercials. Right. I know that song. Exactly. So, and that's why the heavy don't have a mainstay career, right? Like, <sighs> yeah, it, but it, it, they killed themselves before they had their time. Like, they, they are, they yeah. have a lot of good music. Yeah. But I think that that's just like, that, that's just luck of the draw because for some reason, no one knows that song or, or as it is attached to that band. But plenty of other songs got it. Like I heard a Foo Fighters song on a, on a commercial yesterday watching the playoffs. It was, it was, you know, I don't even know the lyrics, but not going to get it from that. Sorry. Looking for Oh, learning to fly. Thank you. Learning to fly. That song didn't, I don't think I, you know, died out. <laughs> I didn't miss it. No, he's like, he's looked at me like, uh, Ming, Ming, our engineer, looked at me like, how did you get it from that? Like, <laughs> That's why I was amazed you didn't get it on the first shot, because I'm like, come on, dude. <laughs> we, you just know what I'm thinking. Right, music is just a second language for us. Uh, but... Yeah, I think it. I think it depends, but I think I, I think it can like again. It can help and hurt at the same time. If you have a commercial anthem, or even like a stadium anthem or whatever, if you have an extra means to get the song into the public ear, it could be a good thing or it could kill it. And I just don't. I don't have an answer for you. I don't know why the heavy aren't like because that because they have because it's not just that song. The heavy's a good band. They have a lot of good songs. Right. So <clears throat> I don't know. Uh, I don't know. It, it all depends. Some of them. Sometimes it works out for the band sometimes it doesn't work out for the band like if i don't know man it 
I don't want to. I don't want to gear it towards one hit wonders, but it's a real shame when bands just have generally good music and their 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 hit becomes so big and popular that they can't live up to it. They, I mean, they. Can't, I'm not gonna say they can't live up to it, but everyone forgets the rest of their catalog. It's mm-hmm. a it's it's a real shame when that happens, or a song gets overplayed because it's in commercials. Or the shit that I hate is. Um, when they take like 60s and 70s soul or like 90s rap and they make it into like retail music. That's the shit that I really fucking hate. I really hate, like. You mean like Cole's music? Yeah. <laughs> essentially, like I was in Cole's and they took um, the spinners. I'll be around. They made it into like adult contemporary. I was like, no, this is not what you do. It's like. Um, Wait, you're talking about like a cover or it's yeah, it's a cover like it's an adult contemporary cover and they put like it in retail stores. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. awful. Like imagine, imagine um, Seals, uh, Steve Miller band. What the hell is the name of that song? Uh, Fly like an eagle. Oh. Seal. They had it in like Space Jam. It's something like that. But like Seal at least made it to a soundtrack, so he's decent for it. But like they do that shit all the time where they take like old songs and they cover it into like retail music. It's completely awful. Yeah. I mean, and I think you'll. It kills the song. Yeah. This is, we are, you'll probably 100% agree with this. And I'm sure you've seen a slew of these. They just, they just don't go away. (laughs) (laughs) Commercials with folks in the commercial, I guess, singing Beatles songs. Like there was literally yesterday during the NFL playoffs, a commercial came on and all of a sudden it was just some girl, just voice, no instruments or anything, just going, you say goodbye and I say hello. And I'm like, serious again with this? They've done it to every Beatles song. (laughs) They've done it to, oh my God, you really? I've never seen one. I envy you because I, dude, it's uh, all together now. It was like a... Verizon commercial or something. Yeah, you're right. Like I know oh, that one. It's that. just it's so and it. I mean, again, you can't kill the Beatles, but like no. just just stop doing that. It's annoying. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. Dude. <laughs> I don't. Know, but uh, I don't. I don't know if I would consider them one hit wonders. But um, <laughs> I, I no. thought of uh, Living Color. Oh, okay. Cult yeah. of Personality is one of my mm. all-time favorite songs. It rips. It, they they shred in the solo. It's it's a poignant message in the song. It's a upbeat like like kind of motivate you like style beat to it. Like a, a just a like thick rock song, like a core rock song. And I've tried listening to their other stuff, and I'm just not into it. Mm. I, that their other stuff doesn't hit the same way that song hits. They. They figured it out in that one song. Yep. To, and that song, I mean, the rest of the world is better off because that song exists. But like, yeah, maybe maybe some one-hit wonders just don't quite make it to get discovered. Maybe some one-hit wonders just are meant to be one-hit wonders. Right. I'm glad you said that yeah. because there are a lot of one-hit wonder bands that are like, man, how come this, these guys didn't make it? Let me listen to their, you know, some of their other stuff. And he's like, oh, yeah, that really is our only song, huh? Like some some bands are just like that. Yeah, no, I'm the, I mean, I, I'm really agreeing with Craig where it's like they might not be a one hit wonder. They just made a song that everything came together in that one song. Not you, to say the rest of them were garbage. It was just they made a masterpiece of a song. Right. Yeah. Of they their catalog. Yeah. Which, um, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Which is the thing that really, as a music fan, I've heard comedians uh, reference um, Jim Carrey as far as like his funniness, like just in reference to his funniness, like he's so funny that it's a, that it pisses me off. Like he, sh- they, no, he has no <laughs> business being that funny. As a music fan, the, like the Beatles' music, just 
it's painful. Like ha- every song. Oh, they just slaughtered it. They just song after song after song after album after album after album. Find me a bad one. I challenge you. <laughs> Why don't we do it in the road is better than bands, some other modern bands catalogs. Like, and that's a throwaway for them. Like they, it just, ugh. What's funny is like, I was, I was reading like the wiki article of the long and winding road, like yesterday or two days ago. <laughs> and like how Paul McCartney just generally hated that song. Yeah, because I, I get well, I mean, they were like they were done anyway, but like I right. think that was the last single or last song released by the Beatles. It was their last number one single. yeah, Right. And maybe that I I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> but also they have so many that he can afford to hate some of his number yeah, one. Right, right. Like, <laughs> like not not every band member is going to love everything that they do. Like, they They write. They each write their own songs. They bring it to the band. They play the, the songs together. But like your songs are always gonna be closer to to you than maybe you know. Right. I I'm being very vague, but <laughs> I see. I, no, no, no. I, 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 I see what you mean. Um, that's you know what, man. It's a, it's a shame that Ringo always gets the shaft. Um, but that band had three or four of their members writing great music right and nobody can say that they wrote bad music like the two are the greatest songwriting duo of all time and the third one was overshadowed because of how big the lennon and mccartney was like harrison wrote great music Ring- ringo Starr has two writing credits in the beatles catalog too wow. there's two official writing credits in the beatles catalog. <laughs> but guess what he had a solo career he had albums after the beatles broke up that just means that think about how many songs that he wrote probably while he was in the beatles that got denied just because there were better songs being written like yeah. that's how good they were <laughs> but ringo doesn't get enough credit Ringo kept the Beatles going for as long as they did. Mm. Think about the egos of John and Paul, that yeah. they're two mega monster, amazing all-time musicians writing music. There's going to be sparks flying between them. There's going to be friction. There's going to be no this, no that. I think we should do it this way. No, it should be that way. But like they had to be cohesive to make it work. And Ringo was a big part of that. He was humble enough to be like, like, okay guys, let's get together and let's do it right. And like, yeah. that, that's why he, he's, he's the all-star musician. Now he's made a career out of bringing musicians together. Cause Damn, that's what yeah. he's done. Jeez. Damn. That's true. Wow. Yeah. You hit that on. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, he's had his solo career is legit bringing in musicians from all walks of life and making an all-star band. Like, that's it. It's so funny how if you're a brilliant songwriter, you really either have to have a a co-writer that you're going to bump heads with and someone who's going to like a glue to the band or you just have to work alone. Like, (laughs) like, I don't, maybe you could tell me how many members to Guns N' Roses have there been? Oh my god, I don't even know. It's honestly. pretty much been Axel, right? Like <laughs> Axel is the one, like, okay, this is my thing. I'm gonna make it. I'm the orchestra, <laughs> like, you know, I'm the head guy. I'm gonna this is gonna be what I want it to be. I, I think yeah. is Axel the only one who's been the like the only consistent the member. The only consistent member. Like, yeah. Pretty sure he's unless it. Duff also, but Duff will probably have to be number two. Yeah. I would say. I don't know. Oh, uh Matt Sorum? No, he wasn't the original drummer. Steven no, no, he Adler. wasn't the original. Right, 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 right. But I mean, like in their in their incarnations after like the general breakup, I would say he's probably like oh, like who has the second longest tenure? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Look behind you. 
Oh my Jeez. God, Steven Adler, five years. We're we're, look, we're looking at four. a list of everybody who's ever been in the band, and so far there's twelve, <laughs> and it keeps going. And Matt Sorum is seven years. Matt Sorum is seven years. So like, I think he's 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 number two. Jeez. Oh no, Ron Ty, <laughs> eight years. <laughs> yeah, Bumblefoot. Shout I, out to Bumblefoot. I, and re- remember, the first time that I met you was me bumping into you two in New York, and you two were going to a Buckethead concert. Remember that? <laughs> Wait, you were there for it too? Wait, was that how we met? I believe so. I know. I know. Eric was there. No, he was definitely you there. Were there too. I thought we met you at the show. Oh, I wasn't there. I was gonna say, yeah, I would remember that, but no, oh, they okay. met. They met me and my ex at the time at the show, and they uh, had just come like because we were already there. Okay, but that's funny. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know that. See, no, here Bucking this it. this is kind of coming full circle for me because that that's like the running joke between you and Eric. Like you guys had never met, right? Right. Because you had met four times before you actually knew who each other was. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> so. Well, back to GNR, back to the Beatles. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, I, I don't know, man. You, you, you got a, you got a great. Uh, you brought up a great point where you said maybe some bands are just like, I'm the, I'm the lead of this show. It's the way that I do it, and I guess somebody like Axl Rose, like you, you. Hey, if you were there from the from the beginning, like maybe you didn't know his personality at that point, but like if you came in the incarnations of like Chinese democracy or like the shit that they're doing now, like you 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 knew what to expect. Yeah, you knew going into that that you're in a rotating cast of characters. Yeah, like unless your name <laughs> unless your name is Slash, you're not gonna be. You know, Trent Reznor is another one in like the that. Long run, yeah, Nine Inch Nails. Nine Inch Nails is Trent Reznor. Oh yeah, yeah. he's had a rotating yeah. band around him. Yeah, pretty much like I'm the orchestrator and come along for the ride if you choose if I need people. But at the end of the day, this is not coming out unless it's how I want it to be. Yeah. And I would say the antithesis of that is Maynard, James Keenan from Tool. He he is someone who he's he's the lead vocalist, but he considers himself another instrument in the band. He's not the lead of anything. That's why he's always in the back. He mm-hmm. cares about the, the music, so he gets his timing off the rest of the band and how he performs his vocals, which is why he's not front and center in all the concerts. But he's in what he's in at least three bands. I think he's in more. But at least three, yeah. <laughs> so, but but like you hear all these accounts of everyone loves working with him. Like he's he's not egotistical as much of a yeah. great artist as he is. And he puts his his touch on everything he does on all his projects, but yet Everybody loves working with him, and the best product is produced. Because he's probably the most patient person on planet Earth. Because he, he <laughs> waited for the rest of Tool to write Fear Inoculum for thirteen years. Yeah. So, but yeah, he wow. is a he's a very percussive vocalist. He uses his like you said his his voice is the fourth instrument, and he just you know finds his way. He he just puts it in there. It's 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 incredibly tribal. Every that's the thing that I love about him in particular is that it's not just Tool, um, Pussifer, and uh, A Perfect Circle, his side projects. It's incredibly tribal rhythmic music that you don't necessarily get upon first listen, but you you sort of realize it after after repeated listens that it's like this is really like. It's very groove oriented. It's very, it's consuming. That's that, really, that's probably the thing that he, that just like what we've been talking about. It's all encompassing, like feel it, move with it, like surround yourself with it. That's the type of thing that he does, you know? So, you know, obviously tremendous influence on both of us. So. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <clears throat> yeah. Um, <clears throat> shit. <laughs> you know, you, you reminded me of, uh, when you said Lennon and McCartney, um, Richards and Jagger. 
another okay. two that mm. they really fucking hate each other, <laughs> but they love each other the next day. Like, do you think it comes from success? Or do you think it comes from them having egos? Like, why is it that the, the like these two songwriting duos hated and loved each other probably just as much, and they became probably the greatest of all time? So, oh, that's that's a debate in itself. <laughs> so, um, I mean, they they are the longest running band of all time, right? So, they some rock band, they, yeah. They they had you can't be involved with each other in any capacity without being in a relationship. Like yeah. they're brothers. They yeah. hate each other and they love each other equally. Like they're literally brothers, you know. So then you have what Oasis, the Gallagher's, who are brothers, <laughs> are literally brothers and hate each other only. Like right, right. They, they, they couldn't make it work. <laughs> that, how sad is that though? That like they're not even like people that are not even related. We're like, all right, this band that we've created, like the Rolling Stones, is bigger than Mick and Keith. Yeah, like Metallica. Metallica is the name Metallica is bigger than Lars and James. Right. Like, let's make this work for the sake of the entity. And Oasis are literally brothers, and they still couldn't do it. Like yeah. that, <laughs> that was a shame. The funny, the, the funniest thing I was watching this. It was a YouTube video of I want to say it was Liam Gallagher, and he was at this like school in England, probably Manchester. And it was just a bunch of kids. They were allowed to like ask questions. It was like not a show and tell, but like a Q&A. And like the kids, they were asking around. Like he asked this one kid, like, hey, what do you want to do? He was like, oh, um, I want to be a doctor. And so he asked another kid. He was like, well, what do you want to do? He was like, oh, I want to be in a band. And like Liam Gallagher was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, um, oh, fuck. What was the joke? He was like, yeah, I used to, I used to, I used to be in a band with a brother. He was like, I used to have a brother. And it was like he said that like in the video. Oh yeah. My God. <laughs> oh wow. God. And then there was another he was like on a talk show. Maybe it could have been Noel, but like the the talk show host just wanted to like get into like the relationship. He said, like, is this like a joke? Like, like, do you do, like do you really not? He was like, No, no, I don't like that man. Like that was just what they referred to as. <laughs> like they really shame. just don't like each other. It's a it's a shame, dude. Yeah, wow. man. <laughs> it's, it's why like I I don't know whether it's just art like in it's you know the real shame is that it transcends into their blood relationship that right, is right. the real shame like you could be friends like in terms of being in a band but when it transcends into you not liking each other as your blood that is the real travesty like yeah. the, the band won't continue but like you can't continue to be brothers that is the real shame yeah, yeah. for sure <clears throat> well, now they're all in a good mood. Um, <laughs> let's see if we can try to wrap this back around to what we started on. My man, I'm sorry. Where, where did we start? Yeah. We got, I like how we just kind of evolved into just a music conversation. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I think we had a point. Sounds like we have a point. We were talking about the songwriting duos, um, how the Beatles, like the Beatles music was like, unfortunately, like taken into multiple commercials and. Yeah, like well, the commercialism, not only the commercialism of music, but just the impact of music on, uh, and I don't even know if we touched on this yet, but the symbiotic relationship between social or, uh, you know, modern media, you know, social uh, consumption and music. So music reflecting the sound of the times. Right. <clears throat> we brought up the 60s earlier, mm -hmm. how, you know, it was a time of um, a lot of upheavals civil rights you know uh wartime hippie movement everything was like combative just as far as existence in america and the music reflected that there were protest songs there were, were folk outs there was hippie sounding there was the psychedelic drug movement like mm -hmm. it the mm -hmm. sound of the music of the times reflected what was going on 
or is it symbiotic? Is it that they feed off of each other, that the music helps create a vibe that people feed off of and, and, you know, propel to, um, you know, creating those civil rights to, to, to getting their message out about, uh, you know, the anti-war movement and, uh, feeding, I would say feeding off one another. It's, it's, it's a two way street. Um, because like you said, they had so many messages back then. Um, 60s soul definitely talked about being something as a black person. And I think that in that stage, you have to feed off of one. And it's not like the music was telling the people something. It's not like the people were, it was telling music something. I think that people got a, people and the music got a message from each other and they eventually evolved. Uh, a lot of anti-war music um, evolved into just songs. Uh, evolve from just songs into a movement itself. I mean, if there wasn't, if there weren't anti-war songs, would there have been a festival of love, right? Would there have been a Woodstock if it wasn't for people feeling the people feeling a movement and, and vice versa, music feeling what people were like music illustrating what people were feeling. Like you, 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 you get what I like. People were feeling no war, right? Just like enjoying yourself. Would there have been a Woodstock if there was not enough people to so, illustrate so, that feeling? So the feeling called out for a need, and yeah. music responded and gave mm. uh, an outlet. Absolutely. So the bad begot the good. Like there's a war. Let's what's you know. Let's feel good let's outside. Let's feel of good it. outside yeah. of that. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, cause I, th- I think that's, that's, that's the way that it's gotta be. Like music should always be a refuge from what's going. It's kind of like sports. Like music should be a refuge from what's going on out that, that, you know, that's not positive. Like you get what I mean? Like if you, if, if you see, if you're in the late sixties and you see nothing but draftees and all this shit, like you, there's gotta be something that can bring your mind back to what's not going on. So what you're saying is, wet ass pussy doesn't make people want to stay out of the Capitol building. <laughs> what? That was, I don't know if that was disgusting or brilliant. I was so torn on that. I think he's right. I think, I think the music isn't good enough to distract us from the bad. But also that there's there's nothing in this world right now that we can all agree on. As human beings, there is not one thing that everyone says, yep, that's universal. It just doesn't exist. Mm. So there's so many different genres of music. So like everyone, it's up to their own devices, especially because we're all separated now. We're on our own, literally devices, like listening to our own thing. Everything is available, streaming. So when we talk about, well, what's popular? How do we know what's popular? We're all keeping to ourselves and listening to our own things at our own rate. But yet somehow there's there needs to be a vibe that is created mm-hmm. in the mass society, in the mass audience. So what is that vibe? Maybe that vibe just isn't there because we're all listening to our own devices. Wow. Yeah. That's a good point. I mean, you didn't you didn't have that, what, like 40, 50 years? Well, I mean, different households listen to different music, but you talk about music that wasn't so spread out in the genre that it was like if you were listening to the Beatles in the 60s like there was unless it's like Jefferson Airplane or something like most rock back then was it was just like one genre there was no thrash metal there was no grunge there was no hair metal there was no it was just music it was just music (laughs) it was just music like you would make the billboard top just by being just by just by having music 
right? There might not have been a yeah rock rock charts or rap charts back then that would divide like all the music. It was just well because really, before before rock and roll, there was what swing, big band, yeah, yeah. blues, exactly. You know, and yeah. then rock really like. I, could, I mean, I don't know where I'm going with this, but maybe it was a cultivation of everything at once. Like, the, like mm-hmm. we started tracking album sales and charts and all this stuff. Like, this is the popular stuff. Here, stick it in the social landscape. And it was just like at the, you know, good timing that the rock and roll just happened to be, you know, evolving at that point in time. And that's yeah. how it became popular in the, in the in, you know, and stayed in the public eye for four decades. Yeah. <clears throat> well... Um. <laughs> Well, <laughs> I think we're spent. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. It, it just hit me. Um, All right. Well, I think that um, I'm, I, I tend to be very optimistic, so I think that uh, positive things are on the horizon, and I think that every uh, style of music will eventually play itself out. So I think we're hmm. just we have to just sit back and be patient until uh, some revolution happens for some incredible all connecting bit of music to just you know bring yeah. society back together hopefully <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean judging from what rj just said like people especially of my generation younger people listening to this uh definitely listen to older music there is a reason why it has stood the test of time mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. if you're listening to modern music and you just reject older music all the shit that you listen to now has got an influence from old shit that you refuse to listen to or, or good point yeah good definitely point. good point or just learn about it yeah you know i'm not telling you to like it just appreciate it learn about it understand why it's has its place in history. You don't have to love it, but just learn about it. You, you know? have to know your history to move forward. So exactly. Yeah. yeah keep, don't don't dispose of good music. Keep it around. I like that. There you go. Well said. Thank you. Thank you. So, random thought to finish it off. Have at it. <laughs> the walls of your house are nothing but sound mirrors. Sound beautiful, and you will be beautiful. <laughs> Wow, it's beautiful. that was tasty. <laughs> I like that one. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to RJ for being uh, our guest. Hey. I don't know if he wants to be called RJ or guest. You, you <laughs> tell me. <laughs> RJ's fine. That is my name. Uh, but hey, pleasure to finally uh, be uh, ha- have a little uh, stake in the sidewalk here. This is very fun. And th- thank you uh, for having me. And it was a pleasure to be here. Thanks. All right. This is Javon and Craig signing off for the day. Uh, thank you again for walking along our sidewalk. Thank you.